Hey there, welcome to the stories that brought you here. It's the podcast dedicated to the stories of the people from Pender Island, British Columbia. I'm your host, Chris Wakaluk, and I will be sitting down in one-on-one hour-long interviews with people to find out about the stories that brought them to this magical little island we live on, and also to hear the stories that brought them to this point that they're at in their lives right now. Today, I will be speaking with Nia Williams. Now, many of you might know Nia the way I know Nia on this island, and that is an individual who carries herself with an ease, a grace radiating from her that just really feels very joyful. And today, we're going to get to find out a lot more about Nia. We're going to get to find out things like the power of a folded piece of paper slid underneath the doorway, a story about where a white cat on a trail can lead you, and also we're going to get to hear what it means to Nia to be known. Now, before we start this interview, I was a little under the weather during this one, so my voice is a little scratchy, but it's still a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my interview with Nia Williams. So how are you doing, Nia? Thanks for coming in. I'm really happy to be here. I'm Thanks, happy. Chris. Right on. I'm happy you're here. And how's your day been so far? Oh, it's been a very awesome day so far. Really, it has. It's um, kind of layered with a walk through the forest this morning, which was kind of last minute and unexpected, but super glorious. And some good news from um, my son, who's with a bunch of other Pender youth at the BC Winter Games, and they just won their final match and got gold in wheelchair basketball. So that was, I actually lit a sparkler. That was the other thing I did. What? <laughs> just really excited. You lit a sparkler? I was so excited for them that I went outside and I lit a sparkler. And that's hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> My cats didn't think it was hilarious at all. Okay. They're yeah. like frightened by the sparkles. They were. Yeah. Okay. There's sparks. I guess it is kind of an intimidating thing if you're a cat. Yeah. Okay. So winning and sparkles mm-hmm. so far. Fantastic. The traditional first question we're starting off with for everybody with the show is what brought you to Pender Island? It's a good question. Yeah. I think about it often actually as I'm wandering around the island with other amazing Penderites, just like, what brought you here? It's like, how did you come to be here? Because it's meaningful and it matters and everybody has these super beautiful stories. They're, they're sometimes just simple stories and, um, and yet everybody's here for a reason. Totally. So I wasn't really planning on coming to Pender and most people often aren't, it seems. The more I talk to people, the more people just somehow arrive and a door opens and they say yes. And my story goes back to my husband, Denny, and I were living up in Port Hardy. And our oldest son, Noel, was, he was little. He was, I guess he was about three. And I was working in the school district up there and Denny had an opportunity to work at the Royal Conservatory down in Victoria. So we decided to move, but we decided to move to Victoria, not Pender. And we had met each other in Victoria. So it was a place we were familiar with and um, easy to go back to. So we thought, (laughs) but when we'd been up in Port Hardy, we, we didn't really realize how much our nervous systems had been accustomed to space and quietness and stillness. 
and wilderness and community. That was the other thing. So when we came down to Victoria, I was just working to complete my master's and Danny was working at the conservatory and we were living right downtown in a neighborhood that we were familiar with, uh, close enough to downtown that we could bike around and didn't really need a car. But in the biking around, Noel, who was four by then, kept saying that his ears were hurting. And I would check it out with physicians and couldn't really put my finger on it until I realized that it actually was the energy and the sound of the city that was really weighing on him and having an impact on his sense of uh, wellness or just ability to be at ease as a four-year-old. So not really knowing what to do with that, but really aware that the city was, uh, it was not as easy to be in now that we'd had a taste of quiet. And Denny was doing really well at the conservatory uh, teaching. And then a friend, we'd only been in Victoria for about three months, uh, slipped a piece of paper, a folded piece of paper through my door slot in my mailbox one day. And I picked it up off the wooden floor. And I was like, what is this? It wasn't a sealed envelope. It was a folded piece of paper. And in it was a job posting for the Gulf Islands. And I called her and I said, you know, I'm not actually looking for a job, but that's super kind of you. And she said, I don't know. I just had this feeling and just thought you might want to look at it. It's be a pretty sweet spot to, to live. And so sometimes in my life, I had these doors that open and they're worth paying attention to where um, something is sparked and they're usually very unexpected. And so that's the time when I, if I can be wise enough, I get curious. So I paused in that moment and talked to Denny about it and kind of, and I thought, okay, it can't hurt to actually call and inquire. And it was a full-time counseling position. So I applied and then I went for an interview and it was on Pender, but it was for Galliano and Maine Islands and Saturna. And then I got the job and then we moved a month later. It was December 31st. I think we actually turned on the lights in the cabin like in, on the first or something like that. But it all happened really quickly, which is also another one of those things when something is meant to be, that things just pummel forward. And if I can just trust, then it's meant to be. And I absolutely know it was meant to be. And that's how we got here. It was sort of a, it was a folded piece of paper through a door slot. And that's how we're here. Okay, a folded piece of paper. And had you ever been to Pender Island before no, that? No. Wow. No, I'd never been here. So what made you realize that it was meant to be? Was there a particular moment that took place? I came over to look for places by myself. And that was going to be sort of the the final, is this going to work or not? And then I went around to about three places and I had about half an hour, a window of half an hour. And I went to the, um, what used to be, it was probably called the Magic Lake Market, Medicine Beach Market. And on the post board there where people pin stuff up, there is um, a cabin for rent on Buck Lake. So I called quickly at the payphone. It's like, uh, any chance this is still available? And she said, yeah, quit. Yeah, come on over. And, and so I went and it was amazing. And it was super just, it felt right. It was that feeling of, oh, this is home, home. 
Wow. Yeah. And then I drove to the ferry and that was it. (laughs) And you said that it was initially facilitated by partially because of your four-year-old son having a bit of an adverse reaction to the the sounds of the city? Yeah. Yeah. And he's not a particularly sensitive lad when it comes to his environment. In actual fact, right now he's living in downtown Toronto. And (laughs) but in that transition of being a four-year-old from being in wild nature where he could walk at his front door and be on an expansive beach to being in downtown Victoria was just too much of a transition. And I actually love Victoria. (laughs) I do. But I think one of the things that also rang true when we came down from Port Hardy was community. So that feeling of community and that was hard to cultivate. We were only there for three months, so hard to hard to rig that up in such a short amount of time in, in downtown. But when we came here, it was, I don't know if it was right away, right? Because it <laughs> we've, we've lived here so long now that now I have this rich, full sense of community. But even in that first year, I felt like I could rest. I could unbuckle myself a little bit and start to recognize that my child, this four-year-old beautiful boy, he was going to be loved up. And I, that was a very apparent from the, the first time we met Adrian, the first time we met Jojo, they're like, people here are, um, to be close to people who love my child for who he is, as he is, I, I, that, that just meant a lot to me. Wow. I'm so thankful for that. That's really interesting. So you identified the fact that there are adults in the community that were just sending out some great positive vibes to not only you, but to your children mm-hmm. and being new to the island. Mm-hmm. It, I guess that sort of felt pretty amazing and wonderful. It did. Yeah. yeah. And that has been the continuing thread that we never imagined that we'd stay this long in Pender. We never, never did. That was never the plan ever. Wow. Okay. And often, um, we've sat down at the kitchen table and be like, okay, so what's next? Like what's the next move? And that's kind of stopped now because (laughs) we've had that conversation so many times, but what keeps us staying is the remarkable threads of connection that, exist that fully support our ability to walk life and be human beings. And while our children are still close to us, I could never, ever pull them away from that tapestry that's been holding them because I know how much it supports them in their growth as individuals. They're just, it's so, it's everything. So even though you know, the things that would make us contemplate actually moving off island might be um, uh, career opportunities or um, I the deep land. I actually miss, that's one thing I miss is uh, that big, big, big wilderness. But the thing that just every single time we've had that conversation is, oh, we could just, there's no way we could take away that container of care that holds our family and uplifts us, you know, it's just like, it's so important. And also the love that we have for other people and the, and the lives that they're walking to remove ourselves from that. It's just like, we just can't. So the, even though there's life logistics that might 
be lovely to experience something in another land. It's just, that's become um, a touchstone and uh, like an anchor for our family. That's really fascinating, actually. And that's such a beautiful reflection of what your experience has been like on the island. Uh, that's kind of a unique answer that I've heard, actually. And it's really wonderful. Mm. Um, we had a conversation about a week ago. We were speaking at the hall and you were talking about a conversation they had with your grandfather that you mentioned that it reinforced your wanting to stay on Pender. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to know if you want to speak to that at the moment, because sure. I found that a really amazing story. And if you want to share that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was actually my uncle. Excuse me. But it, oh, no, no excuse needed, because my grandfather actually has a lot to do with the story. And being here, it's a couple of things I sort of want to say about that. Being here has... I've been curious about it, particularly over the last four or five years, because I'm, I keep being so drawn to staying. And, and yet my mind often thinks, but maybe there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. But my, my knowing or my heart just keeps being rooted here. So I've been curious about like, what is that? Why? I, I, I really do love the people here, but why is it? What, what is it? And I was driving from my house to the hall. So sort of from the ferries area to the hall one day, cruising along. And I had this aha moment of understanding from an ancestral point of view, why I was here. And it meant, it meant so much to have that clarity in that moment. Or I was like, Oh, I get it. Cause I grew up in the city. I grew up in North Vancouver. And while I had the mountains behind me and spent a lot of time on the mountains, I was still in the city. And that was what I knew. My my sense of community was my schools, a couple of other pockets of places that I would be a part of, but didn't really have a sense of community. And that was fine for me at the time. But my mom grew up in Wales and she lived in this very small village where her siblings grew up. And my uncle and my grandmother ran a, a sheep farm at the edge of the village. And this village was only about 250 people large. And my mom was kind of considered the black sheep in the family because she had moved to Canada to go pursue something bigger and greater. And off to Toronto she went, but she felt a real um, affinity and importance to have me connected to her family because there wasn't a lot of my father's family around in Canada. So she would take me back once or twice a year and usually Christmas and Easter time sort of thing, sometimes in the summers. And when I went there, I loved it and I wanted to stay forever. And when I took time to contemplate what is it that I loved? It was the being known and the being seen and and having the the 25 pennies in my pocket to go down to the sweet shop and to be known, to go to the post office for my grandmother and to be known and also to know the other and to have that like intimate relationship with other people that was filled with joy and remembrance and and there was affinity and a lot of beauty. And my uncle's farm was just on the other side of the fields. 
and they would farm together. And my cousins were there and there is this family feel, but the family extended beyond my own personal family. It was the family of the village. And those memories were really like, I just loved it there with all my heart and soul. I just, I just, I would actually like to move back there for at some point in my life, but I will. (laughs) Anyways, this drive from my house to the hall, I was like, oh, now I get it. Like That's why I want my children to be in this family that's in this village that's on the rock in the middle of a Pacific ocean and to, to be known and to be loved and have that feeling of belonging and connection because it helps us. Well, it helps me anyways, to relax and soften and like be, like feel the goodness of other human beings and build my capacity for compassion and kindness. And those really honest interactions of, hands out the window to say hi to each other and the, and the hugs in aisle five at true value. And that like all like this richness of, of my children growing and, and being known. They don't have to be um, complex, complicated relationships. They're just precious little moments where you're stumbling across the island somewhere and there's a familiarity, a familiar face and there's a sweetness to it. So my uncle, here we go. Here's the story of my uncle. This is my grandfather's son, my my mom's dad. He came last summer for the very first time to visit Pender. And he's a pretty stoic, hard-nosed, kind of, I don't know, sheep farming guy. He's like, I've just always known him to be kind of a little bit on the gruff side. And when he came off the ferry, I hadn't seen him in about five years. And he had the softness about him and he came off. He was just beaming. He said, I can't believe you live here. Look where you live. And then over the period of a couple of days, he was, you know, he, we, we wandered around the island. We went to Brooks Point and we went to, we went for tea and we went for random wanders. We went and listened to music down at the Good Shepherd Church down on um, South Pender. And it was a beautiful day. And, he had sandals, leather sandals made at the market for him. And he, I just let him do his thing. But he, at the, on the day that he was leaving, he grabbed me by the shoulders and he looked me straight in the eyes. And he said, this is how it used to be in our village where people knew each other. People cared for each other. You leave your doors unlocked and you're known and you feel safe and you feel connected you must stay here. This is the way life is meant to be lived. This is the way life is meant to be lived. And he said it really sternly. And he was staring me like laser beams into my eyes. And I could hear, actually hear my grandfather talking through him that this is where I was meant to be. And I, I just got it. And it meant so much to have it acknowledged. My parents, my mom and dad haven't always acknowledged it. They can't quite get why we're here, but I have this awareness that when he went back to see my mom before he went back to Wales, he told her the importance of this island and the community that we lived in. And 
over the past year. So since last summer, she has softened and she gets it. And I feel like there's this melting sort of an affirmation for my heart where I didn't necessarily need my mom's approval to be here, but it, that deep reminder that I'm here for a reason. And that white piece of paper was put through my mailbox for a reason. And I, the, I had the courage to listen and pay attention. And that's, that's where the door opened. And that's why we're still here. Literally. that's where the door opened. Yeah, (laughs) where the piece of paper was. (laughs) That's incredible, actually. Really, that's incredible story. And what makes that so incredible is putting words to how we feel about being on this island. Because I think it's different for everybody, but I hope to find a pretty similar through line as to what people's experiences are about what it means to live on this island. Having that connection with people who you wave to, who you say hi to in the grocery store. It can be easily forgotten or taken for granted or also mm-hmm. just as a bit of a nuisance sometimes as well, too. But at the core of it, it is pretty amazing that we have the opportunity to do those very simple yet really nice gestures with each other mm-hmm. and then to to build on that. I know that taking the ferry as well, too, is a great experience. I really enjoy taking the ferry yeah, and getting absolutely. to have those 35-minute conversations with people on the ferry where you build a bit of a friendship through those experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they mean so much, don't they? Definitely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your mom and your dad, and that's always a subject I like touching on because I like hearing about people's parents. But you mentioned that your mom moved to Toronto from Wales. Yeah. And she was a black sheep. Why? (laughs) For doing that? Is that the reason why? Oh, yeah, because everybody stays in Wales. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. That's a bit of an overstatement. But in her family, heritage and tradition is it's big. And and for her to make the choice to leave was really frowned upon. Yeah. Well, why did she choose to leave? I think she felt stifled by the small village. So she came to Toronto because... She knew she wanted to travel in Canada, but she needed to save more money first. So she came to Toronto and then she ended up working at a bank without any bank skills at all. And you could do that back then, I guess. And then she just kept moving her way across Canada. So she sort of worked and traveled, but she was looking for some adventure because she had grown up solely in the small village. So there's that part too that I'm aware of as a mom is raising my children in a small community. I also do actually want them to explore the world and not just feel like they have to stay here forever. But for her, it was, I think she felt stifled. Her family is very large and enmeshed. They probably took up half the village (laughs) And, and she was looking for some room to breathe, I think. So she moved to Toronto and... Maybe just to find out how she met your dad. Yeah, she she met my dad playing tennis on a blind date at that, Stanley Park. That sounds lovely. <laughs> that sounds like a lovely true. time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, so they met in Vancouver, so they were both living in Vancouver at that time. Yeah, okay. they were. Yeah, All he right. was a taxi taxi cab driver. Yeah, and well, she was she was trained as a teacher, so she had started working as um, a home ec teacher. 
Okay. So were you born in Vancouver? Did you grow up there? Yeah, I was born in North Vancouver. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's find out a little bit more about young Nia here. Okay. All right. So you were born in North Vancouver. And uh, so did you live in North Vancouver from the time you were young to a teenager or? Yeah, no, I was like born, raised, full on like valley girl. Okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> Nia growing oh, really? up in Vancouver. I didn't know I had to get into this part. All right. Well, I was an only child. Yeah. And that was not always easy. That was, that was hard at times. And I, I, it, it, honestly, it wasn't a very like fantastical story about my childhood, except that I went to an elementary school and then I went to a high school and it was sort of in the same neighborhood. We moved houses a few times and I was a pretty shy child. And that's kind of continued Somebody mocked me the other day (laughs) by saying, you keep telling me you're an introvert, but in actual fact, you just walked down a fashion runway in a crocheted onesie. So I'm not really buying that. (laughs) (laughs) That was an amazing crocheted onesie for sure. That was really cool. But I was, um, I'm not quite sure if it's because I grew up as an only child or not, but I, I, I really like a lot of solitude. So I spent a lot of time on my own. In nature or? Sometimes it's in nature, hanging upside down in apple trees, but sometimes it was skiing and I just actually sought out opportunities to be solo. And that's not always comfortable because um, you can't walk this world alone. But I actually still crave a lot of stillness and solitude and that's Something that Pender gifts easily is the ability to be quiet if you need it. So I appreciate that very much. Sure. But, but at the same time, it also encourages, invites me to have intimate connection with people where I can be vulnerable and be safe and be me and still be as I am. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, as somebody else who liked to spend a lot of time on his own when he was growing up, mm-hmm. I know that it was something that I needed to recharge my batteries and mm-hmm. I could only spend so much time interacting with people before mm-hmm. I needed to check back in with myself for large periods of time. What mm-hmm. was it for you exactly that you were so drawn to about spending time on your own? Hmm. That's a really good question. I don't know. I find a lot of peace in just being on my own and I, I always have. I just really crave quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as a teenager, you were, you were living in North Van. What, uh, what were you doing as a teenager in terms of uh, hobbies and interests? And what were you, mm. what were you stoked on as a teenager, Nia? What was I stoked on? I was pretty stoked on wilderness. So we, we did actually back on to um, grouse. So out my back door, I could just freely wander on trails and go up the mountain. And that was, really awesome for me. And I also really liked uh, Lynn Canyon, which was an area on in North Vancouver that has a really beautiful waterway and, um, and canyons. It's just like, it's super amazing there. I can't say enough about it. I guess, yeah, I'd camp with my best friend. I really liked music. So I was really involved with the music program at my high school, played a lot of volleyball, and I skied a lot. You skied a lot. Yeah. Okay. So you had a passion for skiing. Yeah. Part of the reason I think I liked skiing is because I could also be quiet. Like I really like, I really like silence. So 
I like just being able to go and be free and like that a lot. Nice. What was your local mountain you went to all the time? Oh, uh, there was grouse and there was cypress and Seymour. I didn't do Seymour so much, but. Okay. So grouse and cypress. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go up by yourself a lot to the mountain? Just finding yeah. that piece there? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I did yeah, too. I ended up working on the mountain just in like the snack shack and stuff, but then I'd be able to go up after my shift and ski. Right on. Nice. I spent time snowboarding by myself, a lot of time nice. snowboarding by myself yeah. when I was in my early 20s. And mm-hmm. it's a great feeling. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Port Hardy earlier, where you were living before you eventually made it to Victoria. Mm-hmm. And to me, Port Hardy is kind of this uh, mythical place in a way, just because <laughs> I've never been there. Sure. And also, it's the furthest tip of Vancouver Island. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. What, how'd you get to Port Hardy? Again, this is actually one of those like, moments where a door opens and you just got to sort of trust it. And okay, a little bit of a rewind, but Danny and I met in university at UVEC. I was in the education building, he was in the music wing, and then our buildings connected at Tim Hortons, no joke. (laughs) So through friends of friends, we got to know each other and we go dancing tons. And then in the weekdays, we were students and um, meeting up for coffee and donuts at Tim Hortons. And after a few months of dating, um, I was pregnant wow. and not quite finished my degree. So um, I finished that year, which was my third year. Then we moved to New Westminster. Denny finished his degree and he got a job opportunity at Massey Theatre. So New Westminster, as you can imagine did not offer a huge amount of community for a young mom. I was pretty young at that time. It was, it was tough to, to be there. And we were super grateful for the job and our families were quite close by. So that was amazing to have their support, but my friends weren't having babies yet. And it just wasn't um, conducive to feeling really grounded. So after I guess it was a, like 10 or 11 months being there. We literally opened up an atlas of like BC. Somebody had given us a wedding present and, and, and oh, we opened up this BC atlas. We sat together and closed our eyes and asked, okay, where should we go? <laughs> we circled, circled, circled the finger around and then landed and it was Port Hardy. What? Yes. I thought this only happened story. in movies. No, I'm serious. That's what I'm talking Wow. This is how things happen. And I happened to know a friend who I grew up with from North Vancouver who had just recently moved up there. So I said, I know somebody up there. I could I could give him a call. I'm pretty sure he's teaching art up there. It's like, no. Yeah, true. So I called him and he said, Oh yeah, they're looking for teachers on call. I said, I'm not quite finished my degree. And he said, No, 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 it's good, it's good. So then I was still working on my degree, but I was doing it um, through distance learning. And I managed to finish up like my last two courses, got my degree. And then it was about three months later, I guess, we moved to Port Hardy. We packed up all our stuff and our little baby and moved to Port Hardy. And we stayed there. And, And then I got a job right away, which was also super crazy. So I only was only a teacher on call for about a month and I was pretty young. And then I got kind of hand delivered this counseling position for elementary schools as a district itinerant counselor, which means I had like 12 schools that I supported 
and it was a full-time job and we got a house right on um, Stories Beach next to the Fort Rupert First Nations. And it was beautiful experience and it really let us rest, like come to rest in our new relationship, our new parenting. We were parents and learning, really deeply learning. How do we, how do we do this? How do we be together in this life? And it was, the energy was so chaotic in New Westminster that that was hard to come clear with. And, and being in Port Hardy was a really uh, restful place for us to kind of get to know each other and also start to learn how to be parents. Wow. That sounds really interesting. So you had new place to live in, new job, and relatively new to being a parent, all three mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. And you describe it as being a restful experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say the land and the spaciousness of being able to have the right rain gear, and <laughs> just be able to go out and be in the wild, while at the same time having the support of a community and the spiritual feel up there is, um, I use the word spiritual feel, but it's like a field. It is uh, astonishingly gorgeous and very potent and tangible and really special place to land for a few years. And Pender's got it too. It's just right here. And it's, um, it's in our hillsides and it's um, on our oak bluffs and it's it's at our in our lakes and it's in our ocean and it's in everything here i just can't <laughs> i just feels like a dream being able to be in these like magical places that are for us to like come home and just remember what really matters for sure. I, I know for me that when I allow time and space mm-hmm. for it, that it winds up opening up and, and uh, developing, and then I'm able to perceive it on a, on a deeper level. But just to be able to give some space to it and time and sit or be in motion one or the other, but just be open, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And so making space for being in wilderness. Yeah, maybe, maybe if you want to speak to making space for being in wilderness. Actually... Um, just this past year, it was my birthday. It was December. And I'm not really a super big birthday person, but I like to acknowledge that I'm one year, year older. I was, I was turning 44. Denny asked me what I wanted to do. And I thought, oh, you know what I really want to do? And I hardly ever do this is uh, to go on a night hike. That's what I wanted to do. And so wasn't quite sure where we, we were going to go, but I was hopeful that it was going to be a clear night, but sure enough, it was like early December and we got stuck in this fog for a few days. I don't know if you remember, but it's like thick soup fog. And I ride the water taxi back and forth between Pender and Salt Spring to go to the high school and coming back, it's like, okay, well, tonight's going to be a little bit different than I had anticipated, but oh, well. And at the beginning of December, there's something that I love. This is like, quirky tradition, but I respect and honor it very much when the care tree gets lit. And I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but our family likes to go with a few other families and 
older people in the community who come and they raise money for an organization in Africa and everybody brings a mug of tea or something and the pipers come and it's just great. Now, and, where is the care tree? Oh, the care tree. It's, it's at the top of Bridges Road and it overlooks Port Washington. Okay. So for whatever reason, I'm not sure why at the beginning of December, it's usually the first Sunday in December and it wasn't lit. I was kind of heartbroken. I was like, oh, can't believe you. I wonder what happened. Then I started to worry about the people and why I, I, I hope everybody's okay. And why didn't the switch get flicked? And okay, we'll have to sing our Christmas carols at some other time. So it's my birthday night and the water taxi pulls up to the dock and still no care tree lit, but that's okay. So I go home and we grab some tea and we grab some sparklers. <laughs> I do really like sparklers. And we decided to go up George Hill, but it's thick. The fog is just totally thick. How far can you see? Just just your flashlight sort of and your headlamp and, and your toes. That's sort of it. So we park the car and we go up the front face of George Hill. And this white cat shows up. Like, hey, cat. And the cat comes up the trail with us. So everybody's filing in a line and... I decide to take off a little bit ahead because I'm I'm moping a little bit about the the care tree, and we get we get just about just about halfway, and the the kids and Denny are behind me, and there's a little bench halfway up. I walk up, and just like that, I'm above the fog, and it was amazing, astonishing. It was. <laughs> Probably the most beautiful thing I've I've seen in so long. It was unbelievable. And then the kids caught up in Denny. Then we all went <gasps> because the whole Salish Sea was just covered in this blanket of white. And all and then there was these little tiny knobs of islands sticking out. Wow. Oh, it was astonishing. And the care tree was lit. Oh, <laughs> And it was a Wednesday night and it just wet. And so you could just see these low glow of Christmas lights on the right. And then these subtle fairy lights underneath the fog moving ever so slowly. And then you looked up and there were these stars that were the most crystal clear stars I've ever seen in my entire life. It was there were shooting stars. There was the Milky Way. It was like the whole universe had just decided to show up. For, so then we kept hiking and the cat followed. And then we lit sparklers at the top. We ate Smarties. And it was a total celebration. But it was a, it was a reminder for me of when I'm walking through my days and I'm trudging along in my own thinking thoughts. And I'm in the thick of things to remember that there's this awe not far away that is there all the time, that that sky was there the whole time. I was just in the thick of it and I'd forgotten. And I think that is what wilderness does for me as well. It's like, it's this quiet remembrance of, it's like a coming home. Wow. That's really interesting because, you know, there's so many experiences that you can have in nature where you're able to find answers and definitions for things within your life. And just before we started recording, we were talking earlier and told me about an experience you had today that was mm -hmm. you 
were able to see a metaphor within your life with something that happened in nature. And it's an, it's a, it's an incredible story. Did you take a selfie while you were up there? No selfie. No, it's just no a, a mental snapshot. That's all you need. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget it for sure. No, that's the best part. I, I love yeah. it when you're able to just hold on to those memories. I feel as if when you don't take a picture of those events that they actually hold more meaning for myself personally, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. But that's that's a beautiful description. And the tree was lit. That it was your forty four forty fourth birthday. It was so great. Sparklers and smarties. <laughs> that's that's a lovely yeah, story. Right yeah. on. Getting into the uh, the next traditional question, I want to ask you while you're here that everybody gets to. All right. Answer if they so choose is uh, who on Pender Island has given you help along the way. Everyone. <laughs> Actually, (laughs) it's true. I feel really heartened and blessed by everyone here, everyone. I was particularly moved when I first came to Pender by a group of older women who feel like they kind of became my mamas. And they would hold circles for different ceremonies and events and blessings and they they were really significant in my life when I was still I was still a young mom at that point I just had Noel and I feel really strongly that they were actually they they helped me as a woman as a as a mom to become who I am and what I value and um I'm really grateful for them they taught me things that my mom never did and infused wisdom for me or showed offered it offered me a different way of looking at the world that I'd never experienced before. So I feel really grateful for them. One of them was um, Pamela Brooks, Pamela Barlow Brooks. And um, there was quite a few of them actually, (laughs) but her in particular, uh, we became fast friends and I loved her very much. She was probably my best friend on Pender for long time. I actually only got to know her for four or five years. And she was instrumental in showing me beauty in life, in the everyday, in um, singing to sheep and riding bicycles with no shoes on and working in a garden and loving art and music and Um, meditation and just moving through the world a little more slowly than I ever had before. And she loved my children like fiercely. And I learned a great deal about being a human being through her. Wow. Yeah. I'm not familiar with Pamela Brooks, but the way that you're speaking, is she no longer with us? Yeah, she passed away. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Do you remember the first meeting you had with her? Oh my gosh, I totally do. (laughs) My first meeting with her was, um, so I've had a few different jobs on the island. I've been an elementary school counselor. Now I'm a high school counselor, but I've also worked for trails on the island and I've done gardening and landscaping and I've worked at Islanders restaurant and Hope Bay restaurant. And I also used to work for the post office delivering mail. One day I was delivering mail and I was pregnant with Isla and I wasn't prepared 
on being pregnant again. And I was, and I'm very grateful to have her as my daughter, but I was very sick in that pregnancy and quite beside myself with fatigue. And it was pouring rain. Like I, I mean, the sky was falling down onto the earth, pouring rain. And I was coming up from South Pender just past the school making the turn to go up to the driftwood. And there was Pamela walking along the side of her road. I think she actually even might've had her bicycle and she was just dripping and she had her thumb out. And so I pulled over and she hopped in. I think, I think we did. She had her bike, checked the bike in the back somehow. And, um, she said, how, how are you? She said, I'm Pamela. And I said, I'm Mia. And I just started crying, sobbing hysterically so much that I had to pull over the side of the road before I made the turn. And she asked me what was wrong. And I just said, I felt so depleted. I just felt like I, I didn't know how to keep going. I was just exhausted and so fatigued. And, and she said, right, let's go to the driftwood. So I said, yes, that's, that's where I'm going. Okay. And she said, okay, well, you're going to come home with me after you've finished your shift. You take the mailboxes into the post office and you'll come home with me and I'm going to make you some buckwheat patties and some turmeric tea. Really? She said, yes, I'm also going to sign you up for two yoga classes and um, then we'll see where we go from there. <laughs> like, oh, oh, my gosh, most. really? <laughs> okay, but I was so vulnerable that I kind of just went with it. And from that point on, she just became this love in my life. She was just a total joy. And um, her her love was ferocious at times and big and and broad and beautiful and bountiful. And yeah, I don't know. It was, it was something else. That's incredible. So it sounds like she gave you a large amount of nurturing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nurturing is a good word for it. Total nourishment, and and um, and I I spent a lot of time with her. I like in that story that you're able to incorporate two facets of Pender Island that are a lot of people probably identify with. One being hitchhiking, and the other having <laughs> multiple jobs on the yeah, island. That's right. But that's so wonderful to hear about that, and to have a complete stranger show you that kind of affection. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That intimacy exists, and we just have to pay attention to where it arrives, and then open the door, even if it's pouring rain. <laughs> open the car door. Yeah. Sometimes hitchhikers can be pretty amazing oh yeah illuminating (laughs) absolutely wow yeah that's a great story thank you yeah just to throw out an open question to you is there anything Mm -hmm. any other stories that you wanted to share with us while we're having a conversation today Hmm. it's funny i've been i've been wanting to express gratitude for pender for a really long time and i've thought about writing something in the pender post i've thought about trying to be mindful about talking to people about how much I appreciate them whenever I can. But this feels, I feel so thankful for this experience to be able to say out loud in maybe a bigger, bigger way or something, just how that Pender's changed my life. And I feel healthy and happy and whole here. I know that Pender is not only, it's not the only place where this, these experiences happen. 
there's amazing things happening everywhere in the world of like different threads of connection and communities that care and these containers of families everywhere, everywhere that care for each other. Mine just happens to be on Pender. And for that, I'm just, I'm so thankful. I just, there's so much rich space for people to just relax and be themselves truly as themselves here. I really love the simplicity and the the creativity and the openness and the love that lives here. It's awesome. It is. And I, I wonder sometimes if it's unique to being on a small island situation that if a community along the Trans-Canada Highway, for instance, could have something identical to the mm-hmm. vibe here. And I'm not sure because I haven't really lived in very many small communities, mm-hmm. uh, only a couple actually, that's been one of two. But um, it is, it is a really amazing thing. And I wonder if it's the natural borders that make up our island that help create mm-hmm. that, that the people who wind up coming here are the ones who have to put in a little bit of effort, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I like to hope or... And it's not even a hope. I don't doubt that there other communities hold the amount of um, care that lives here. It has to be because love is not defined by ocean and rock. That's vast and endless. It lives everywhere. Not that it could be. It just is. I, I know love is it's everywhere. And it's probably still in that little house we lived in in Victoria downtown. I just, I, I couldn't be open to it at the time, but you don't have to live on Pender Island to experience what's here. I know that it's special and it's unique in its own Penderness way, but there's other, there's other communities everywhere that thrive on people loving each other too. For sure. And I guess a lot of it just comes down to recognizing what it is that makes you happy. And perhaps that Mm -hmm. it's not tangible sometimes that sometimes it's just a feeling mm-hmm. that you go with and you you have to take a leap of faith mm-hmm. and you don't know why you don't oh, know yeah, what exactly. the reason is for you having to go to a particular place but totally those are some of the greatest stories that people have is that i didn't know i didn't know why i just knew that i had to right exactly absolutely yeah some of my biggest teachers have been right here on this 2,500 person island. And I didn't know this is where I needed to be. I might have thought I was supposed to be somewhere else, but there's a a greater guide that knew this is exactly where I needed to be so that I could pay attention and listen to what was here. And I'm super thankful for that. Sure. And I guess for people listening to this, that... um you know, maybe might not feel that they're finding what they're looking for here or haven't been able to identify it yet. Perhaps it's just a matter of changing your focus that Mm. if if something isn't in focus that you're looking at, you just sort of have to change the way you're looking at it. And it's -hmm. it's there all along. Mm -hmm. And that you just have to sort of shift your focus and you'll find what you're looking for Hmm. and what's been eluding you is right in front of you. Or maybe not. I don't know. But part of this podcast is to try to build up some (laughs) community support and tell some great stories and hear just how wonderful this place is. Because... You know, there there are some dark elements to it as well, too, that we're going to get into in uh, in episodes, I'm sure, with people. Because, oh, yeah. you know, like you can't yeah, have yeah. good without the bad. For sure. There's darkness and light. Yeah. All yeah. of it. 
But because mm-hmm. because we're coming into the light now in spring, that sounds yeah, like a funner thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, for sure. You said you said that there was a, a story about wilderness that you wanted to tell, uh-huh. or was that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. this is um, this is sort of one of those <laughs> like trusting that the day is the day that it's meant to be. So one of my greatest hopes, but it's also been like my greatest fears, <laughs> is. I love the ocean so much and I also fear it a little bit. I sure. do. Yeah. And I'm not sure where that comes from, but I have always wanted to see whales where I'm kayaking, but I've also been totally terrified at the idea, <laughs> like absolutely terrified. So whenever I would go out kayaking, I would peek around the corner just to make sure that all is well, even though my heart really wanted to see the whales. I'm like, oh, no, okay, not today. I think it was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two, almost two years now. I went out kayaking with a friend and we were going to circumnavigate North Pender and we were going to stay overnight. So we, we camped halfway And as I was getting ready to go out the door, I just said this little prayer and said, okay, if I could be safe and I could let go and enjoy it, maybe today's the day I could see whales. Like I could actually like be in the water maybe. Okay. And then out the door I went and went out of the beach and started heading out towards thieves and lots of anticipation, really exciting and beautiful, but came around the corner of, got around the corner of these and um, past Boatnook and got on the edge of the Oak Bluffs. And sure enough, there's all the whale boats, which is sadly a sign that the whales are close by, but they were thankfully quite a little ways off. But where we were, we were snugged up against the cliffs with very deep water below us. And then, you know, I, I guess what we were looking at was sort of down towards Trinco and they were coming. And I was thinking about scrambling up the sides of the cliff just so that I could save myself. And, but I remembered, I, I asked for this. This is, this is what I wanted. So just stay, stay still. It's going to be okay. And my friend was quite a ways ahead of me and the whales came and, I could see her and she handled it with grace and and then the whales came and the whales came and I was shaking like a leaf because they were right under me, beside me, in front of me, behind me, spy hopping. It was the most extraordinary wilderness experience I think I've ever had and I was crying because it was just, I just felt um, in, it was that awe, just like looking at the starry sky up in George Hill, you know, these whales are always in our waters in the Sailor Sea and, and our ability and our, the gift that we have to be witness to them is pretty astonishing. And I felt so small in that little red boat. And alone, but not. And that's sort of how I, that's sort of how I feel on Pender, right? Like my aloneness, my, the intimacy of wanting to be by myself a lot. I also don't feel alone. Like I'm not 
I'm not alone in my aloneness because I, I have these incredible community members who walk with me. It's awesome. Wow. And they were, they were orca whales, I'm presuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something magical about seeing whales in the ocean. It's a, uh, it's a oh. real treat oh, that yeah. we have to be able to w- witness that. Yeah. Doesn't it just make you want to applaud every time? Like they're just so beautiful. I have applauded for sure. Yes. No, it was like full breach. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm putting my hands together for that one. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that might be a, a great place to end off with, Nia. Sounds good. Thank you so much for coming in. Well, thanks for letting me be here. You made this really easy for me. This was <laughs> You made my job easy. Yeah, you just dropped you. out incredible stories. <laughs> nice. All right, everyone. Well, that's it for uh, this week's episode. I want to thank you all for listening. And I want to thank Nia so much for coming in and uh, just sharing some amazing stuff with me today. My pleasure. All right. Well, that was a great ending to an interview. Loved it. And in honor of that interview, I decided I would come down and visit the care tree. So on a beautiful spring, cold, frosty morning, here I am sitting underneath the care tree, which is located on the North Island. And as Nia said, it's on Bridges Road, just off of Port Washington Road. And right now I'm just watching a ferry boat pulling out from the ferry terminal heading towards the mainland. The birds are alive with their song at 8 o'clock in the morning here. And it's a beautiful, crisp, clear day. Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time.